Almighty God, in you are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Open our eyes that we may see the wonders of your word, and give us grace that we may clearly understand and freely choose the way of your wisdom, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Hello, my name is Michael Coplitz, and I have been a pastor for over 20 years. I am an avid biblical researcher, and I do share that work in my sermons. This sermon is part of my series titled Worship by Subject. Every passage of the Bible has a message to it. You may want to pull out your Bible and follow along. I use the American, New American Standard 1995 Bible translation. However, any Bible you have will do. So let us come together to hear the word of the Lord and a message from that reading. This message is from John chapter 1, verses 19 to 34, and the subject is the foreshadowing of Jesus' death. John chapter 1, verses 19 through 34. This is the testimony of John when the Jews sent him priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? And he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. They asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? And he said to them, I am not. Are you a prophet? And he answered, No. Then they asked him, Who are you? So that we may give an answer to those who sent us. What do you call yourself? He said, I am a voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as Isaiah the prophet said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him and said to him, Why then are you baptizing if you're not Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize in water, but among you stands one who you do not know. It is he who comes after me, the thong of those sandals I am not worthy to tie or to untie. These things took place in Bethany beyond the Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day he saw Jesus coming to him, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he on behalf of whom I said, After me comes a man who has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. I did not recognize him, but so that he might be manifested to Israel, I came baptizing in water. John testified, saying, I have seen the Spirit descending as a dove out of heaven, and he remained with upon him. I did not recognize him, but he who sent me to baptize in water said to me, he upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining upon him, this is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. I myself have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. May the Lord add his blessing to the understanding of the reading of his word. Amen. Knowing the culture of Judea and Galilee in Jesus' day is essential to understanding 
any of the narratives in John's gospel. You may have heard that scholars believe that this gospel was written for a Gentile community. This section of chapter one probably moved many persons over the centuries to make that conclusion. Why do you ask? Because John the Baptist is clear that he is not Elijah. Right off the bat, we examine a statement of John based on his culture. This demonstrates why the day's culture is vital to understanding the narrative. The prophet Malachi said that the prophet Elijah would return before the Messiah. Elijah would prepare the people's hearts so that they would be ready. The Messianic age always had the component of the Lord's return. This event was called the day of the Lord. And this day invoked the end of time, what we call the apocalypse, final judgment, and the end of the world as we know it. According to John's gospel, the day of the Lord could not happen through John because he's not Elijah. Inside the gospel, Jesus never calls John the prophet Elijah. Oh, by the way, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, yeah, Jesus calls John the Elijah. Thus, some questions for Jews who are looking at the life of Jesus and determining if he is truly the Messiah promised by the Lord, they're going to have problems with this. Well, John takes care of that problem. He also refers to Jesus as the Lamb of God. And this title appears twice in the Bible. Both appearances are in John's gospel. It's verse 29 and it's verse 36 here in chapter one. What does it mean to be called the Lamb of God? Well, in order to discover this meaning, we have to examine the culture of Jesus' day. To be honest with you, several biblical scholars of today cannot offer a good explanation of this phrase. One of the academic commentaries I use in seminary, and I still refer to it today, could not give a definitive answer to what this phrase meant. Lucky for you, I study the culture of Jesus' day. The Lamb of God was a particular sheep selected in the springtime by a farmer. The family would select the perfect sheep from the flock, usually a newborn, and prepare that animal to be sacrificed in the fall to the Lord. Jews believed and still do that the Lord has ownership in everything. After all, the Lord created the heavens and the earth, the animals, and us. Therefore, God owns a piece of the sheep that was selected. During the summer months, the sheep would have been, it would have had, excuse me, exceptional, exceptional care. It received plenty of food and water so it could grow and it could be healthy. The Lamb of God, from its selection, was to be sacrificed to the Lord. The meat of the sheep would have been boiled and shared among the people in the town as a tribute to the Lord. When John calls Jesus the Lamb of God, he foretells the story's end. Jesus was to be sacrificed to the Lord. The blood of sheep was used on the lentils and doorposts during the festival of the Passover. When the angel of death 
moved over Egypt, the Lord told the Jewish people through Moses to put sheep's blood on the lentils and doorposts so that the angel of death would pass over their homes. The firstborn of Egypt died that night. The Synoptic Gospels tell us that Jesus was the firstborn of Joseph, Joseph and Mary. Jesus' lineage is not offered in this gospel because Jewish families buy back their firstborn sons from the Lord as a part of the circumcision ritual because firstborns belong to the Lord. It says that in Leviticus. Jesus being a firstborn son would have been bought back at his circumcision. But that did not matter because he became the Lamb of God. Now, you know that this means that Jesus had to be sacrificed to the Lord. Jesus' sacrificial death was told to us by John. For Jews reading this gospel, they would have picked up what that meant, that Lamb of God title, right from their culture immediately. Now you know how John's author told us what the end of the story was about. Oh, no, wait a minute. That's not the end of the story. It is the end of the story of Jesus' physical life, but not the end of the story of salvation. John's author did not give that away. Let me give you an example about the end of the story. I saw the 2022 Downton Abbey movie. If you haven't seen it, it's a great movie. You also have to understand the series a little bit. At the end of the movie, the matriarch of the family, Violet, dies while the family surrounds her. She was a colorful character throughout the entire series. The filmmakers did an excellent job in appearing to make it appear that the movie was over. In fact, Violet tells us of her impending death in the first movie when she tells her granddaughter, Mary, that she must become the family matriarch. It was a really sad scene. Then a transition to the final scene of the movie occurred. A child is born and the family rejoices in a new life. There is joy at the birth because the family will continue after Violet's death. The family has a new member and it will continue. Now, I know this is not a spoiler to you, that the story does not end when Jesus dies on the cross. Actually, the story is reborn and now lives with each of us. The gospel will continue through time as long as Christians continue to tell the story to the next generation. Even with the decline in church membership, I believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ will never be forgotten. The story came close to being removed from history when the Muslims invaded Spain and made their way into France. The believers came together to stay, save the gospel with the help of the Lord. We must go out and tell the story. The Lord Jesus died to forgive sins and, to get, and gave us a new way of life and righteousness. Shout it from the rooftops. Shout it from the mountaintops. Tell the gospel story as often as you can, no matter where you are.
God bless you for listening to this message. I hope it helps you in some way. And as always, Shalom. Shalom.